When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Yes, welcome in to this edition of UAP Weekly. It's Stephen Diener here back with you on the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. And there was a lot to get into. This is going to be, um, I think, really quite the incredible episode. And that's not me patting myself on the back like, look how great I've done. No, what I call it incredible because of what you're going to hear today. This is a landmark day. This is a landmark week in UAP discussion, uh, UAP disclosure, and that's because of not only the interview that you're going to hear today with my official uh, military contact, I guess, you know, semi-whistleblower, I guess you can say, um, but what you're also, what we've already experienced, what we already heard yesterday, I mean, as I record this now here on Tuesday, June 6th, if, if you're listening on, on this day, when we heard on Monday, June 5th, the whistleblower interview from David Grush, which was, you know, in a lot of ways groundbreaking. So I want to comment on that, and then I'm going to get right into the interview with my contact, my whistleblower, where you're going to hear uh, his take. You're finally going to hear from him. You've heard me always talk about my, my military contact, my contact within, you know, the intelligence community, all that stuff. You're finally going to hear from him directly today. And I'm really excited for you to hear this interview because I know what he has to say, and it's um, it's going to change things, I think. So I'm not going to delay anymore. First, let's just dive in real quick. I, I have to get into this whistleblower testimony that we heard yesterday. Of course, this all happens at once, right? You have this groundbreaking interview with uh, the, the whistleblower, David Grush, and then you're going to hear from my own contact at the same time. So a lot happening all at once. But just to comment on that first, um, I know a lot of people had said this is the most significant thing to happen in the UAP discussion uh, in a you know in a long time, maybe decades, maybe ever, in in some people's estimation. But here's so here's my take on this real quick: is that yes, it it is significant to have someone like David Grush, who um, you know, very decorated military man, of high ranking member of the intelligence community when it came to. Uh, the you know investigative departments within the government, you know whether it was Arrow or all these other investigative depart- uh, departments in the intelligence community, he's a high-ranking member of that. You know he was privy to a lot of different top-secret information, and for him to come out, so to have someone like that, and and to have someone like him who has testified under oath 
in front of Congress in classified whistleblower hearings, which he has. For someone like that to come out and make a public statement really under penalty of perjury. I mean, quite honestly, if he's making the same statements that he made under oath in front of Congress, and now he's going to come out and say those same things in public, that's why this is significant, because of his status within the intelligence community and because of, quite frankly, everything he has to lose, which is a lot. And he said that himself. He has a lot to lose by doing this. So I give him credit for having the courage to come out and and stand up for what he sees as the government uh, bureaucracy that is preventing this disclosure from happening in, in a public setting. And honestly, and he says, you know, they're hiding this information from Congress. And you've heard it by now when he's talking about we are in possession by we, you know, the United States government. We are in possession of downed alien craft, of alien bodies. I mean, these were explosive claims for someone like him to make. We've heard these claims before. You've heard many of these claims on UAP before from different witnesses and different people in high-ranking positions. But for someone in his position, you know, who just retired, just fresh off the case, you know, so to speak, to come out and say these things, that's what made this so significant and uh, a landmark day and a landmark week when it comes to the UAP discussion. So that being said, I'm not relating all of that to my own interview now with my contact because I want to give him his stage to tell his story and everything that he's come across in his line of work. So we're going to separate those two things, which is why I wanted to first comment on the the huge development yesterday with that testimony, with that interview, with that revelation, and then bring in my own contact, which I'm really excited for you to hear. Um... He's going by the name Anthony Williams, and we can't use his real name for obvious reasons. He's, you know, active uh, within the intelligence community, within the military, you know, in his in his capacity there. This is someone who needs to kind of maintain that capacity. So um, just the fact that he's agreed to come on today to give his, you know, story, to give his view, to give us the information that he's been coming across means a lot. So. I think it's a fair trade that we kind of use a uh, pseudonym here for him today. But this is someone, just to give you a little bit of background on what we're calling Anthony Williams. Uh, he's decorated veteran, served overseas, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, and someone who has been given top secret clearances. Um, this is not someone who is faking <laughs> by any means. Uh, I've had many conversations with him off the air. Uh, This is someone who has been verified within different publications that I've done my own research with uh, that has been overseas and served in different missions. And so I guess what I'm trying to tell you is he's the real deal. So I want you I want you to know that the person you're about to hear from today in uh, Anthony Williams is the real deal. This is this is a guy that has been in it and is currently still in it. So that's why it's such a big deal that he is joining the show today. So without further ado, you finally get to hear from my contact that I've been talking about for months. Anthony Williams, thank you so much for doing this today. Thank you for joining UAP Weekly. Yeah, no, you're welcome, Steve. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into like the really, you know, the meat of everything, because you and I, in the interest of full disclosure, I like to give disclosure. Maybe the government doesn't like to do that all the time. But in the interest of uh, disclosure here, you and I have had about three or four different conversations 
Um, obviously, off the air, we've spent hours talking about different things. And so I know your story, but I want the, the listener now to kind of get your background. What kind of got you into the UAP discussion? Because, I mean, you're a veteran. You've served overseas. And thank you again, by the way, for that. Um, you know, we total yeah. gratitude for that. But so for someone in your position who's been on the high levels of clearance and, and the battlefield, quite frankly, what kind of led you down this path of UAP investigation? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so, you know, my background in special operations, you know, has me all over the world, but really working with things that are factual, tangible, whether it's intelligence-based or operations-based, they're, they're things that we have to verify, validate before we can action. Um, my wife uh, is a pilot in the military as well, and her and I uh, you know, both have uh, that background and it, it kind of drives everything we do and the decisions we make. Um, but during COVID, so so two things really drove me down this rabbit hole. Um, obviously, the discussion of, of UFO, you know, intelligent life, other places, uh, it's just something that the average person can't confirm or deny. So for me, it wasn't something that was worth spending a lot of uh, time and energy on um, because it was just a, for me, it would have just been a, a distraction of frustration really um, without being able to get anything sure. or get anywhere with it. For me, we were sitting out back during COVID. Um, we were having a bonfire with our kids and we live very close in proximity to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, recently renamed Fort Liberty. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, very, very common for us to have all sorts of military aircraft fly over. Um, with our backgrounds in the military, it's always a fun game <laughs> to name what type of aircraft that is before you can even see it. Right. And uh, to my wife's frustration, I get it right uh, as much or more than she does, and she's <laughs> the pilot in the family. Um, but one night uh we're looking up at the we're looking up at the stars and right over what would be our tree line right to our back um somewhere between 500 and 800 feet um comes what looks like a light and it looks like it's you know traveling deliberately uh right over our property which is a common flight path um but then there's another one and another one in line and for for people that aren't familiar with this installation, there's a lot of paratroop paratroopers on this base. So airborne operations normally fly in flights of two to three aircraft, sometimes more. Um, these were making no noise. They right. were making no sound. They're only uh, you know they're less than than three thousand feet. So even an aircraft that high would make noise. These are making no noise. They're right in a perfect line. And it caught our attention. And then what really uh, got us curious was the fact that these evenly spaced out kept flying over a tree line for about three to five minutes. Mm. There was easily 80 to 100 of them. And there is no flight of aircraft, drone, anything that flies at that level that low that we have enough in our inventory of. And so right away, our with our jaws dropped looking at this, 
um, for our older kids, it, it started to scare them. And so we came up with a quick story that, oh, it's a satellite constellation. Um, but as we know, those are in low Earth orbit, you know. <laughs> right. So this was miles like... and miles away, not not less than a thousand feet in our atmosphere. Not like uh, SpaceX um, satellites or anything like that. Right, right. Right. No, no. So that was the that was the first event that got me to, to move to some of our classified networks and start doing some homework and find out what we know about these things. And uh, my wife contacted um, the air traffic control and they had, you know, nothing flying at that time of day. It was no military aircraft. And just so you know, that that area, nothing can fly over that area without, you know, permission. It's a right. It's a no fly zone for civilian aircraft for obvious reasons. Um, that was the first incident that really got our attention. About a month later, we were driving home and there was a spherical object with like a glow over traveling it almost looked like a mist uh, around it and it flew south to north right over us and we pulled over and stopped to watch this thing hmm. and oddly enough that made the news that night hmm. and um the dod's explanation was that it was a uh, ballistic missile test <laughs> over which, civilian airspace <laughs> which we laughed hysterically <laughs> about because there's only a few places on the planet where we test ballistic missiles. <laughs> White Sands Missile Range up in Alaska, um, out in the desert, and out in the ocean mm. really are the main places where we test these things. We do not fly them low over a civilian population. Um, and that thing was spotted several states um, mm. up. And and for, for us, that was the final nail in the coffin that, okay, you now have my attention. What's going on? So, uh, right. sorry, I made that a little longer. No, no, it's it's a great background. That I just want to follow up real quick because I know there's a lot of ground we want to cover here today, and I know you don't have a, a ton of time, so we'll get to as much as we can. But just to follow up, the second one you talked about, the month after your first, I guess, occurrence, um, that second one was during the day, right? So the first one was at night, and the second yeah. was during the day. So the one during the day that actually made the news. When you see that craft, whatever it was, do you see any type of propulsion that's going on? You said there's like this weird mist around it. Any type of noticeable, you know, propellers, you know, turbines, anything that would make this thing move? No, nothing. And and again, understanding, especially for my, you know, for my wife, but anyone can anyone can see that. So. Um, you know, if you think of like a BB, you know, if you shoot a BB out of an air rifle, right, that's a round sphere and it's traveling with, you know, no visible means of propulsion, right? So that, you know, uh, an object moving is one thing, an object moving very fast is another thing. Objects not moving at all, not being driven by the wind, not, not moving with no flight surface, no means of propulsion. That is as equally impressive to me as something that is moving because now you have something that is defying gravity mm -hmm. with no visible means on how to do it. This, this craft that we saw fly by um, was definitely, uh, definitely moving at a high rate of speed with no... There was no jet stream, no contrail, no means of propulsion. The the mist or aura that it had around it moved with it. Hmm. It wasn't like a vapor trail that it left behind it. Okay. So, so how would you compare that to something like that's been in the news recently with, you know, the disclosure hearings? You have uh, Sean Kirkpatrick, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, for the head of Aero Division. Is that something that's comparable to what you've seen with the Mosul Orb? 
where they've talked a lot about that yeah, recently? Absolutely. It's 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 right in line. And um, believe it or not, as I started going through, you know, different government systems, different government sites, um, the jaw dropping amount of footage of videos of stuff that's out there. When you listen to these government officials, you know, say, you know, there's more out there that the public hasn't seen. Um, it, it it is an alarming amount of of evidence that's been collected, and this fast rate of speed, this type of craft. Um, I just saw today a video that got uploaded on that system, and it's from 1993. Um, oh, wow. So obviously the video quality, but it's the same thing. So this is not new, and oh. the fact that we've been gathering and collecting this evidence for a lot longer than what's been disclosed um, is also you know, something that's worth mentioning. So you just came across today a video. And again, this isn't like you're on YouTube. These are within your own, you know, I guess, top secret right. no, channels this is and everything. A, this is, yeah, this is a classified government. So, so what's interesting when you look at, when you talk about classified information, most of the things that are secret or top secret or higher than top secret um, a lot of those things you'll find in what we call open source and civilians call it just Google searching on the internet. Mm. Um, a lot of the things that make them classified are how we feel about it or what we know about it as a government. So, um, you know, you can find all these videos and all these debunkers and everything. Oh, this is fake because of this, this, this. But then when I see that exact video on a government system, oh, that's not fake. That's actually concerning. That is being cataloged. That is something of interest. Um, but the the sheer volume that was on there and the 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 several that I went through before stepping out to make this call, um, there's a lot and hmm. and a lot of things that they're taking serious that you wouldn't think. There was a video in South Korea of a guy hitting a golf ball and uh, he's being filmed golfing and a UAP darts through, uh, darts right past the golf course at an astronomical rate of speed, similar to some of the disclosure videos that they showed at the uh, 21 hearing. Um, the video of the object moving past the aircraft, it was that fast. Right. They broke it down and slowed it down. And you can clearly see it's a, it's a spherical object that is moving at an extreme rate of speed. Um, so there's everything from military videos to anecdotally civilian caught videos that are of interest and worth being studied by our government. So that, that brings me to my next question with, when it comes to that, what have you come, because obviously you've come across a lot um, within the recent months and you know, within the past year or so, and now even just you know, recently, like you said, coming across that video today of the spherical you know, craft from 1993. So these things have been seen for a while. But is there anything that's top of your head that in your time investigating now, where you saw it, you came across whether it was a report, a picture, a video, where you said, oh my gosh, like I, this is blowing my mind. Yeah, there there are some. So the other thing that you and I have talked about that, um, you know, that I've never seen in my career uh, and, and coming into the military in the mid 90s uh, till now, um, we are actively seeking, you know, we have all these sensors, right? What we call a sensor. We have a radar sensor. We have video sensors. We have all these sensors on all these different things. Another form of a sensor for intelligence collection is the human sensor. Mm. And it's the first time we've openly uh, 
tried to get uh, feedback from human sensors. So pilots have a, a, a deliberate method of reporting and uploading things. Um, things that are reported from human level spotting are now being uh, looked at and with a method and a format to report in on a classified network. Um, so, you know, that that's impressive. But when you when you look through these, some of the ones that just absolutely jaw dropping are the ones that are completely unexpected shapes. Hmm. Um, there, there have been things spotted uh, and photographed and videoed that are not visible to the naked eye, but are visible underneath IR and different lighting. Um, that are in very obscure shapes, W's, M's, weird shapes with glowing and auras around them. Um, and they're in very unique places. So uh, you know, those are the things that have, that have really dropped my draw or <laughs> dropped my jaw. And, and I would, I would have to say the frequency every week when I do a search and I, I can select, you know, what time frame I'll just do the last week. And the amount of reporting that's come in is, is just astronomical. So I want to touch on that real quick. Um, you say <laughs> it's because it, we've never heard that before. That's not something that, you know, when you talk about the shapes, when you talk about not seen with the naked eye, those aren't things that are being talked about on the news. They're not being talked about, you know, at the disclosure hearings recently with NASA, you know, when Dr. Sean uh, Kirkpatrick was there. They weren't talking about, you know, M-shaped or W-shaped craft that are not visible to, to the naked eye. So that's... I mean, that's that's new. I mean, what what is happening here? What is that about? Do we yeah. know anything about those? Yeah. So there was I mean, in the Atlantic training corridor, which is a it's over the ocean and it, it goes uh, north to south, south to north. And we fly our fighter aircraft in it all the time. You know, they just they just spotted a cube with a sphere inside. You know, where have we heard that before? That mm. that was spotted last week. And um, and it with. Uh, at that altitude that it was at almost a hundred knot wind and it is completely stationary, which is as difficult as some of these other hypersonic speeds that are being reported. Um, so, you know, um, what I, what I make of that and what I think of that when I hear these hearings is, you know, and, and anyone that studies this will tell you that 90 to 99% of, you know, un, unknown aerial phenomenon, UFOs, they are explainable. And what I found really frustrating was the fact that they want to show the public all the ones that they can easily write off. They don't get into the handful and more than a handful, quite a large volume of things that are completely unexplainable, that are jaw dropping, that they will admit in written documents that I have read, uh, demonstrate things that are against, you know, any known laws of physics and don't appear to have any earthly uh, origin or technology that are coming from outside our, our atmosphere into our atmosphere under the ocean water mm. back into the atmosphere back out of our atmosphere and gone and then they'll just drop the mic and leave it at that <laughs> and and just say but we don't have any proof of life or anything intelligent outside of that and uh it, that that's that's the really frustrating part when 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 you know that they have it you, and and I've seen it with my own eyes and then I hear them focusing on on other things that are are clearly not what people are trying to get answers to 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So talking to, uh, going by the name of Anthony Williams, uh, Anthony is the source I've been mentioning for the past month or two on UAP that has uh, been speaking to me within the military, within the government, inner workings that has... Uh, been starting to look into some of these things on his own. So again, appreciate uh, Anthony's time here today on UAP Weekly to talk about all this stuff because it is, um, I, I hate to use the, the term mind-blowing so many times, but it's just, it's it's hard to think of something else right now with, with some of the details that you've, you're giving with some of the videos reports that you come across in your own investigations. These are things that are not being seen or talked about really anywhere else that I've seen right now. Um, let me ask you this, and I think this is the million-dollar question, or million dollars that much money anymore. No, so maybe the billion-dollar question yep. these days, is this ours? These things that we're talking about, the you know, a translucent W-shaped craft, a translucent M-shaped craft, the spheres, the cigar shape, the tic-tac, the, 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 the classic flying saucer, is this secret U.S. technology being worked on by the likes of, you know, Lockheed and Raytheon and Skunk Works, you know, as division of, of Lockheed, or is it being China, Russia, you know, Iran, North Korea? Can it be explained as our own or an adversary? Or is there any way we can do that? So, so you raise an interesting question and our technology is, is skyrocketing, right? Like, with the, with the onset of the internet in everyone's hands, you know, military and civilian scientists, you know, things move at the speed of thought now, right? So uh, we're seeing significant technology breakthroughs, but you're asking the question based on today, are the mm. things we are seeing today ours? They're absolutely not. Mm. Um, they're, they're not ours. We don't have anything that can do the things that we're seeing being done, but that's today. We're seeing the same things today that we saw 50 years ago. 50 years ago, we're nowhere near where we're at technologically today. So as our technology gets closer and we see, you know, uh, exquisite capability that our government and our military does have, uh, it's it's a logical leap to say, well, well maybe that's ours. Um, but that those we're seeing the same objects for over 50 years, for over 60 years, for over 70 years. Someone argue, would argue into ancient history. Um, so as of today, absolutely not. They're not ours. Um, and if you look at all the money that we're spending, and I know you and I have talked about, you know, follow the dollar, follow, mm -hmm. follow the, the, the human investment, the time investment, the financial investment, and you'll see where it's at. If you look at how we are using our technology to get out of our own atmosphere, um, you know, we're still reactionary based. We're still burning solid fuel. We're burning liquid fuel. Uh, we're reacting to our environment. These craft are, are absolutely not doing that. They are, they're operating underneath different laws of physics. Our adversaries, we always like to ask that question, could it be China, Russia, Iran, any one of these? Um, while our adversaries have a lot of capability in a lot of certain areas, 
uh, China for sure underneath the, the cyber and space domains have a lot of exquisite capability and in some areas are, are pacing or um, superior to us in certain areas. Uh, but they still operate under the guise of stealing knowledge and replicating. Um, so, you know, if you look at all of China's premier uh, jet fighters, they look just like NATO fighters because they've stolen that technology coming up on their own. They don't have it because if they did, we would see it in different areas. And the other thing that's alarming is in the areas where we do collaborate with our adversaries, space is one of them, and they are as perplexed by these things as we are. Mm. Now, to say that none of these are our government would be to ignore the fact that we're attempting to reverse engineer these things, which we are. And when that's happening, does that mean that we can't fly it around, um, move these craft around? There, there's, there's a chance that some of these things we do have possession of, but it's not and words matter. You and I talk about that. When you listen to these hearings, listening to the words they say, they'll say proof, you know, well, we don't have proof of this. That doesn't mean they don't have evidence of it. And in a court of law, if you have enough evidence that you can convince a jury beyond a reasonable doubt, well, we have a ton of evidence. And the words that get said a lot are no earthly technology, no mm. worldly technology, um, so, no, they're not ours. They're not our adversaries, which is good for us. Believe it or not, from a government standpoint, it would be more alarming if an Earth-based adversary had this thing that can fly, jam our aircraft, move with impunity through multiple domains. Um, that would be worse for us than, you know, if it is, you know, extraterrestrial life that's operating these. Because how long have they been here? We have yet to see any adversarial, you know, overt uh, you know, behavior where they're trying to wipe out, you know, our, our species yeah. as, you know, some other astrophysicists have cautioned us, Stephen Hawking and, you know, several others. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's, um, it's just, it's amazing to think about it that way. When you talk about, well, it's not ours, it's not the adversary, then, you know, who's, then who is it, right? Who's left? So I guess, right. This isn't just an American thing though, right? I mean, China is looking no. into this. I've heard about Israel and, and I mean, there's many stories with England um, where they've had their own occurrences. I mean, so who else is really kind of diving into this the way that we are? So every every country that what I would say bases their their military on a Western model or a NATO model, uh, but as well as, you know, our adversarial countries that base off a socialist or communist model, um, it's perplexing to everyone. And, mm. you know, while we're asking, do we think it's China and Russia? They're asking, is, is it, is this the U S mm. you know, is this our adversary? Um, and, and the, the answer is no. So they're, they're all looking at it and they're all trying to answer the question and, and have been for a long time. Um, and, and so as far as who else, everyone and if you look at the stats that are being shown by arrow and previous programs of where these sightings are happening they focus a lot on military areas where we have our navy ships our aircraft nuclear sites well why is that because those are the sensors that they believe when they have hmm. a trained uh, operator or a trained human combined with a technological sensor that's a valid sighting so 
we have a propensity of sightings well combat areas yeah but they're not just in combat areas because we have sensors there so we're spotting them there um the reality is these things are everywhere it's just that the untrained human eye that spots it in omaha omaha nebraska is not taken as seriously with a story and no video and no proof the way an f-18 pilot is when he has sensor data that backs up his visual sightings but pilots have been seeing these things for decades you know, you have astronaut firsthand reports, you have all these, you know, all these citizens around the planet that have these sightings. They're just not taken, they're taken as evidence, not proof. And then they're easily written off by debunkers. What you can't write off is when you have technical sensor data backed up by a story, backed up by a direct witness that is telling you that that's what they saw. And that's that's what has really brought this discussion out of the forefront. Our, our guys like Commander David Fravor, mm. um, you know, and the like that can't be refuted. You can't write him off. Um, so, you know, it's not a U.S. problem. It's not a military problem. I wouldn't say there's more sightings. I think there are more sightings in certain areas. I, I don't want to say that. But we tend to believe the sightings that have multiple sensors at once, not just the human sensor, not just the story. That's that's easily right offable. So what are you coming across these days again? Because this isn't like you're on YouTube, right? And we're, we're finding videos on YouTube no. that are easily doctored and made with CI, uh, 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 CGI. These are things that you're working with within classified sectors of the U.S. government. Am I right? Yep. So what are you coming across that? I should say the amount. Have you noticed an increase in documented reports from military members and, and things of that nature where you're like, oh, my gosh, like we're getting flooded with stuff? Oh, yeah. And not just that, but what level of classification it's at. So, um, you know, when we when I first started digging into this, you couldn't really find much then on on the secret uh, level of network, the it exploded um, just a ton. And now recently, which you and I have talked about, um, there's less and less on there hmm. and it's getting moved to higher levels of classification, um, which means it's being taken more serious by our government. The uh, The amount of access to that information is, is being held tighter and uh, it, with good reason, right? We've had a lot of intelligence leaks lately. Um, and that's not anything new. Some are deliberate, some are accidental. Um, so, you know, keeping who has access to this stuff to a minimum while they try and figure it out. That, that was the thing that got me about Bob Lazar's story. It wasn't anything that was fantastical or UFO tech. When he describes how he was, how he got his security clearance and how he was read on to a classified program. That is exactly how we do it. Hmm. There's no way a civilian would know that unless they were read on to a classified program at the highest levels. Even just your average military officer or person in the military with a secret clearance that doesn't have any special compartmented read-ons read would not understand that that's how it's done. When I heard him describe that, I was like, that's exactly how we do that. Hmm. You know, you, ha you have my attention. Because you, you nailed that and you shouldn't know that unless you were actually read onto a program. So I mean he couldn't have been read onto something else and making it all up, sure. But um I can verify that a lot of the other things he has said, you know, as a lot of other people have proven, but there's some claims he's made that are not public, that are not declassified, that are absolutely 
validatable um, that our government is, for whatever reason, choosing not to validate. Well, uh, I'll get you out of here in just a few minutes, Anthony, but I want to ask you real quick about something that um, I actually just spoke about last week on UAP Weekly, which was the uh, NASA briefing. The first time they had the, the public briefing, they brought in Dr. Sean uh, Kirkpatrick from, from Arrow, and they talked about you know what type of findings they're coming across with their own UAP investigations. Can you just comment a little bit on what your takeaway was when you heard everything that they were saying in, in, in that briefing? You know, whenever they do these public hearings, I try not to be too, too hard on them. Um, but my, my first takeaway was, you know, what you and I talked about, the amount of people that NASA put at this, the amount of money that they put at this, the amount of sensors, the satellites that were repurposed, these are billion dollar satellites. Um, they don't do that on rumor. They don't do that on hunch. So the fact that they have this program and NASA out of all of our government agencies since the shuttle program reduced, their budget has been really, really reduced. So their resources are finite and have to be really well invested. So the fact that they put all this into that, they're not doing it on a hunch. They right. know something and they're deliberately going after something. What we heard was not that surprising to me that they they weren't going to disclose you know and you hear whether you know whether it's a dod brief or this nasa brief you know you hear well we'll cover that in a classified setting you know all the hard answers well hey if you don't think that's ours and it's doing these things that you can't explain well then what do you think it is you know mr secretary madam secretary you know we'll, we'll discuss that in a classified setting leaving the rest of us going oh come on man like just answer the question um, so I, I wasn't really surprised um, when they when they said things like, hey, we don't have proof of this. We Again, remember words matter, evidence versus proof. They have evidence. They have a lot of evidence. But over proof, you know, like you and I were talking about, I'm I'm looking out my window right now and I can see green grass, you know, and you have evidence of that because you have my story, but you can't prove it because you're not here with me. You're not looking out my window. Um, but you've got evidence because I'm reporting, you know, human sensor just reported this. Hmm. Well, they've got a ton of evidence. Um, hmm. So I think we need to get away from listening to their words, but watching what they do with their dollars, their manpower, and what I like to call the opportunity tax. If they're investing time, money, and human resources on this, there's a lot they're not getting done. So they take it serious enough Um you know, and, and like you and I were talking about with Project Blue Book, you know, how long did that thing exist? Right. You mean our government funded that thing for, you know, all those years with nothing? Right. You know, they, they had nothing. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't, you know, and, and another thing, you know, whether you're whether you're for him or against him, Donald Trump, you know, every political decision he made, he got fought. And I remember sitting there when they when he announced the the formation of Space Force a new department of defense branch and no one fought them. Yeah. Both sides, both sides were like, yep, makes sense. And when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, hmm. there's, there is way more going on and we are way more, we should be way more concerned than the general public is. And so if you think about that, that's probably the biggest reason why disclosure, um, is either being rolled out very slowly or has been avoided for all these years because of the fact that, you know, 
Um, full disclosure must be so, must have such a societal impact that um, you know they're they're not going to just not just drop that weight in the locker room and walk away. It's it's fascinating, man. When you really kind of put it all together, and it's striking, really. Um, can you just say r- real quick, and if you can't, if this is something that needs to be kept under wraps, that's fine. Can you just say something that you had mentioned to me in our previous conversation? Compared the money that we're spending as a government giving to Ukraine in the war effort against Russia compared oh, to yeah. what we're spending in the UAP investigation. You just talk about that real yeah. quick. Yeah, that's great. So so in 2014, Russia, who is clearly uh, an adversary of the United States, you can they, they have been for a long time. Right. And you can read that in our Nas- National Defense Authorization sure. Act or National Defense Strategy. You can Google either of those. Go ahead and read and you'll see you'll see what our Department of Defense highlights as their their top adversaries. Russia is right up at the top with China. Um, so Russia invades Ukraine. Uh, who we had been working with in a friendly manner in 2014. In 2015, uh, the U.S. government gave $60 million uh, to Ukraine. In 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020, we gave $0 to Ukraine to counter Russia. And Russia is a known adversary that is exuding governments, governance over uh, sovereign Ukraine soil. Zero. In 2021, we gave another uh, $60 million. In 2022, $5.3 billion, and then it launches from there. We have been funding, and that is against a known adversary. So if we are funding the UAP research for decade after decade after decade with zero result, we wouldn't be doing that. Here's a known adversary in a place where we were aiding a country exuding governance over sovereign territory of someone else. And we have an opportunity to pace, challenge, disrupt, uh, deny an unknown adversary. And we dedicate $0 to it for all these years. And we're dedicating all this time, all this money, all this manpower to UAPs. And the, for decades and decades and decades, the only answer is nothing to see here. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> and I'm I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that my my itch got scratched or, you know, an itch got created outside of work. But my day job provided me access and placement to scratch that itch. Yeah, so. exactly. And I appreciate you so much sharing, you know, what you know or sharing what you can anyway, as far as the information that you've come across and the videos, the video evidence, right? Evidence versus proof. Yeah. Um, yep. from, from pilots and everybody. I'll get you out of here on this, Anthony. Based off of what you've learned over the past couple of years, what is your best guess? What is What does your gut tell you? What are we dealing with and why? My best guess is um, we are dealing with uh, extraterrestrial craft that are not from this planet. Um, whether they are whether some of these, all of these are, I'll say manned. I don't want to say aliened. Right. That sounds weird. But uh, whether there's a whether there's a pilot in the seat on these things or whether they are uh, remote sensors, you know, have humans been to Mars? No, but our technology is, you know. Um, I remember asking, you know, someone with a higher classification than me, you know, if he thought there were aliens out there and he's... <laughs> 
And he looked at me and wasn't sure how to answer. And then he said, it would be very arrogant and a, and a, and a perfect example of human hubris to think that in the entire universe, we're the only intelligent life and we're the most intelligent life. <laughs> that would be the most stupid, arrogant thing we could ever do. So whether it's research, whether it's intervention, we've had reset events on this planet over and over again, whether it's care and feeding of our species to get to the next level of, um, you know, societal advancement. Um, I don't know. I just know that if they were, if they were adversarial, they're really playing the long game. Yeah. You know, let's, True. let's be honest. <laughs> um, but I don't think they're ours. Uh, and where they came from, you know, again, we have evidence that they're not ours. We don't have proof, you know, um, where they came from. I don't know. Uh, I wish I did. Hmm. Well, Anthony Williams, again, the, the, the vaunted secretive military source that I've been talking about, the government source I've been mentioning in the past couple months, finally able to uh, join us here on UAP weekly and kind of, um, dig into what you've been finding and all the information that you come across and, your day-to-day within uh, the government working. So I I hope this isn't the last time we're able to talk on here. If you're open to it, I'd love to bring you back on. I could honestly probably talk to you for another two or three hours. And so hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. And well, like I said, we'll talk to Anthony again soon. Thank you so much again. Sounds good. All right, thanks. All right, there you have it. You got to hear from him and what he had to say. Uh, Anthony Williams there and... I, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you found it informative. Um, I know I did, and I really do look forward to having Anthony on again. I know he'll definitely come back on, and we'll kind of discuss a lot of the more developments that he comes across as it happens in real time. And I'm sure as uh, you know, more news comes out about the other whistleblower testimony that we just learned about yesterday from uh, David Grush, that there's going to be more news and more notes and more things to talk about there as well. So. This is definitely not the end, but really just the beginning of this conversation, not only with Anthony, but just in the whole disclosure conversation, because there's a lot going on and, you know, the ball is rolling. I just kind of see that ball continuing to roll. So we're definitely going to continue to cover it here on UAP Weekly. And I do find it fascinating, too, how it did kind of all connect. You know, it wasn't planned for me to do this interview with Anthony the day after the David Grush interview came out. I had no idea that was coming out. I was as surprised as anybody else yesterday. So to kind of have these back to back, I think is pretty significant. And like I said, just kind of going back to David Grush real quick before we finish up, um, when it came to his statements and why those were a big deal, just like Anthony's statements, I think today were a big deal for the same type of reason is because not, not because they're the first ones to say it, but because of the positions that they're in. We're getting people who are, you know, active or were active in in high classified clearance positions who are willing to come out and talk about these things. And whether, you know, whether or not you take that as confirmation for your own theories or whether or not you take that as, you know, just another thing to say, well, more people are saying it, but I want to actually see it. And I get both of those sides, but I think that the fact of the matter is, They are saying it, and you're getting more and more people like Anthony and like David who are willing to come out and say, yeah, this is what I'm seeing, this is what's happening, and you heard Anthony say it there, which I thought was pretty striking, where in his words, this is not from Earth, and these are are non-human things, these these are aliens that we're seeing coming to Earth, and that's an incredible statement 
to hear from somebody in his position. So, boy, <laughs> what a time. That is for sure when it comes to UAP and uh, and having this UAP weekly show. I, I got to tell you, the timing on this is just wild. But much more to come in this discussion in the coming weeks, I am sure. I'll do my best to keep you up to date as much as possible. But in the meantime, you can look forward to uh, UAP episode 70 that's going to come out, working on that as we speak. Going to try to have that out to you by the end of the week um, on Friday, where we're going to go over Australian Sightings Part 2. Part 1 was pretty intriguing, and I got some more doozies for you in Part 2 when it comes to some famous sightings, and maybe not so famous sightings, coming out of uh, the land down under there. So all that and more coming up on UAP, UAP Weekly, UAP Episode 70. Much more coming up down the road here. It's Stephen Diener for the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Be sure to continue to follow the show on Twitter at UAPodcast850. Download, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And I will talk to you again soon. Be good.